0: Welcome to Bleed TV, the only podcast for today's best shows and movies. I'm Zach. And I'm Cash. And tonight we have the amazing, and gorgeous by the way, Rosemary Rodriguez, uh, director of such shows as Walking Dead, Outsiders, The Good Wife, Sneaky Pete, Jessica Jones, Rescue Me, and so much more, but I also have to mention one of my favorites, and that would be the classic Third Watch. How are we doing tonight, Rosemary? <laughs> awesome!
1: I can't believe like you even know Third Watch. That's Are you crazy. kidding me?
0: Man, third watch. I love
1: that show. Nobody Dude, ever knows
0: that show. Epic. I mean, I you know, there was some of those older shows that, like, you know, you have your ERs and stuff. And this was the perfect mixture of firefighter, cop, and medical team all together. It had such a great run. I so missed the show. Well, it was a great show. It was a great show for me to start on.
1: Those my first two episodes of TV. It was great because there was a lot of action. And it was not a procedural, it was very character-driven, and it was just exciting, man. I was down and dirty New York and running through the streets, and, you know, the first episode had, you know, car chases, car accidents, uh, car goes in the river, all kinds of crazy stuff. Shooting, somebody got shot in the face, you know, all kinds of good
0: stuff. Uh, There's no doubt. I mean, I tell people all the time, people don't realize this show is kind of groundbreaking for network TV I mean, With some of the stuff they did. Yeah. I feel like I need to go back and watch this. How have you not told me? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was. Yeah. A, I was Great a, actors. Yeah, and the funny thing is, a lot of those actors have gone on to be other big-time network, you know, actors and and so many classic shows today. And so it's uh, it's definitely one of those groundbreakers for me. It's one of those, one of those true. I can always watch if I see a rerun kind of shows. <laughs> well, it's kind of groundbreaking for a
1: podcaster to bring up old watch. So that's pretty cool. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so Rosemary, we, we're, again, thank you so much for joining us, but I, we gotta know these things, and the biggest deal is is that, you know, first, let's just go with the basic most the question most people wanna know, why directing? How do we get into this?
1: Why directing? Um, because there's nothing else that I could do or wanna do. So, you know, I always tell people, like if, if they're wondering what they should do with their life, and if they're thinking, well, maybe I want to be a director, my, my, what I always say to them is, if you can imagine yourself doing anything else, like anything else in the world, then you should do that, and not directing. Because um, it's really, really hard to probably like into. So I didn't make a conscious choice of directing. It was just something that I wanted to do. Um, I don't know, probably...
2: I don't know, somewhere around like nineteen,
1: twenty. That 19 or 20 years old. That's when I decided I wanted to be a director. It okay. took me a lot longer to do it, but thats I just wanted to be a director. I okay. love movies.
0: Where did I you get your formal um, training?
1: Why didn't we have formal training? I had like on-the-job training. I had—I um, grew up in New Hampshire. Um, I graduated from Brandeis. And then I'm, in the last semester of senior year, I took a film class and you had to like watch personally had to watch a movie two times in a row in the theater in the class and you had to watch it once with no sound and then watch it once with sound the same movie back to back
2: what movie was
1: it well no we watched different movies different movies citizen kane you know a lot of classic movies but different movies we would watch that was the class and then also we had to read some, you know, read some books, and so I also had to read a book, and uh, I read the book of Daniel, and we had to take a scene or a couple pages or something and write a treatment about it, and I remember going to sleep and then seeing the whole, like, sequence in my head, and I just got up and wrote the paper out, and between that and watching a movie silently and seeing all the elements that go into telling the story without hearing it, those, those things just like blew my head off. So I'm like, that's when I started of knew I wanted to be a director. So that was it. And then I moved to New York and I started working. I did go to uh, adult education class at NYU and learned how to make two short films. You know, just shoot, camera, cut it, that kind of thing. Yeah, right. And uh, then just worked. Just worked in independent film and music videos and commercials and all oh, low-budget Just so getting indie. your feet
0: wet and finding a niche on The grind.
2: Yeah.
1: That's it. Just
2: work. Well, luckily, uh, this podcast we have a female director, you know, working and building her career, uh, Larissa Garcia Bab, and I found out through talking to her a lot is it's very hard to be a woman in this field. So, what are mm-hmm. some of your experiences as being a woman in the film world? That's very male dominated. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's not something that I focus on, but it's definitely something I come up against, like the sexism on a regular basis, and I still do, even after all the work I've done, which is, you know, sometimes disheartening, but I try not to focus on it. You know, somebody told me, actually, one of the producers on Third Watch told me early on, she said, you know, they're just going to hire, like, who they want to hang out at the bar with and get a beer. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, why don't they want to who hang you know. with yeah. and get a beer? You know what I mean? But it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's just hanging up. But so people like to hire people that look like themselves. That's just the bottom line. So at the end of the day, there's more guys hiring. And they're going to hire people that look like themselves. So that's what they do. And I don't look like that.
0: Well, I'll so, tell you this: based job. on your work, your your portfolio of work, it doesn't sound like that's much of an issue anymore. Because I mean, the shows you're a part of now and the work that you're producing, I mean, it's some of the most favorite we watch. And I mean, I'm not just blowing your skirt up, not to no pun intended, but I'm just being straight up. <laughs> is that? I mean, we podcast two of your shows, and, and I mean, yeah, and we've done more. And I'll tell you straight up, mo- most of the time, any episode you've done that we've talked about has been one of our favorite episodes, either for that season or overall and so I think your your resume speaks for itself no matter man, woman, whatever.
1: No, no, totally. I, I'm, I'm definitely, um, I'm like the Energizer Bunny. I just don't give up and I keep pushing and pushing and push, pushing. So, you know, the way that I feel it is, is this. Like, you know, I'm, I made a feature first, that's how I got into television, so I'm a filmmaker. And then I ended up directing, you know, I'm um, directing TV, directing TV, and, you know, director for hire. But then there's places that you want to go where you're either a producer director or you're directing a pilot and you're sort of setting the template for the for the series. And those are the places that sort of seem still, at the, like, further away from me. Do you know what I mean?
0: Where, totally, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, totally. that's,
1: that's, where, that's where I feel it, which is fine. I feel it where... I'm I'm aware that, you know, I just made my second feature and that it took 14 years to get a second feature made. That's where I feel it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Not to say I'm not grateful and I don't work really hard and nobody can keep me down and I'll get where I need to go and I'm not going to give up. You know, sometimes people just get somewhere finally because they're the ones that don't give up and go home. So that's kind of like me. Like, I don't give up. I just keep going. I, I, many, I've been really, really fortunate. A few years ago, I just, You know, well, I don't know how many years, though, but I got to the point where I was like, all right, I don't have to take every job that comes around. And then it just becomes about, you know what, I just get to direct shows that I watch. And how amazing is that?
2: That is amazing. Like, what is it like seeing your show on television? It's like, I made that.
1: Well, it's amazing because I'm fans of the shows I get to direct now. That's what I'm saying. It's like, Walking Dead? Are you kidding me? I'm like a super freak fan of that show. So <laughs> one, as they get to be on set, I'm like, oh my god, I'm fucking here. It's crazy.
0: Oh, uh, I, I know. I Most can't. I can't
2: wait to divulge in that. No, that's going to be a lot of fun. And then another question I had was, uh, how do you work with your director of photography to get the like shot that you want? Like, what's it wor- like working with someone like that to get to your aesthetic? Well,
1: it depends on their personality. Some clones it's like the best thing in the world and sometimes it's like pulling teeth so it depends I'm a big collaborator um that's what my podcast is about is collaborating and so I like to I don't like to impose my will on anybody around me I don't like to show up and be a dictator I don't think that's very creative Mm -hmm. and I find it disrespectful to people that are artists and have ideas and they're professionals so I like to sort of come out, put my ideas out there, hear what somebody else says, and kind of come up with something. And usually we could come up with something, you know, even better. But I always have a plan. And, you
3: know, I just, I always have a plan. Oh,
1: Sometimes, usually every episode, there are some scenes or some shots that I've already seen in my head and are very specific. But again, I kind of like, I don't communicate it like a dictator. You know what I mean?
0: But I tell what I want. Well, I can tell you that what we can tell is like a good example is for outsiders is that we constantly compliment how they are doing camera work and the director's point of view and how they do like that. And your stuff is no different where we can see the little distinct details here and there and so on. Uh And so that was one of the things when we were talking to Larissa, you know, fellow director, is that, you know, we, we're kind of ignorant to that situation, but talking to her, she says that's how that shows you the character and the persona of your director with that relationship to deliver such a quality product as we all enjoy. Uh-huh. And so, you know, that was uh-huh. just something that's very fascinating to us. No, it's
1: great. I mean, the episode that I did, I had the VP um, that was normally on the show was moving to go do Bloodline, going back to Bloodline where he was. Um, I made... Uh, I didn't actually work with him Um, and he was leaving so the the camera operator was bumped up to DP um, director of photography so I got to work with him and his name was Scott Potts and it's really the first you know I got to do his first episode of being DP on a show on on his own episode so it was very exciting because you know it was his first time he was all excited I was excited for him he was so talented. It was such a great great collaboration and he's like at the top of my list to do anything moving forward.
3: Oh, and we okay, just had good. a
1: blast. He was like he wanted to make me happy. He wanted to like be super creative. And it was just great. And I've been very fortunate in some of the scripts that I get where, you know, there's something in like something in the episode where things are turning or they're getting a little darker or like something happens. I get a lot of like pivotal kind of scripts, which which is lucky for me. So then, finally, I can sort of play with things in a different way. Yeah, I've noticed you know like you mean? get a lot
2: of like penultimate episodes, like the next to last episode or something. So you're really able to build up. i know, up.
1: It's good.
2: Yep, those are awesome. Now
0: a minute ago, you mentioned your podcast, and so as fellow podcasters, <laughs> you know we have to we have to pimp you a little bit and so tell us about the director's chair you know what what does it mean what do what do fellow podcaster listeners or our fans need to be listening to your podcast for and be excited about
1: well i started the director's chair because i wanted to have a place to collaborate and very sort of insider of the business kind of cost so you know i've also have some really great guests like um, Kristen Ritter and Mike Coulter and you know people that get in there and, and I've had writers and and from uh, you know other actors and producers and we just go out and just talk about what works what doesn't work you know talk about the shows you're doing and and really just that talk about collaboration and the spirit of collaboration and of course what people are working on now but That's what endlessly fascinates me. Like, that's what you're asking me about. Well, how about the DP, you know? And I want to know how people do it because the key to creating anything is to sort of make a plan and then show up and work with other people and then see what magic comes from that collaboration, whether it's the editor, the DP, the actor. And it's not something that I have planned in my head. My plan is just like the foundation. Like, I just show up with that and then see what else happens.
0: Oh, so it's really organic. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty cool. And so on. Um,
1: I think so. I think that comes with a little bit of experience and well, sort of being like, all right, I know how to do this now, so let me just like, you know. I realized many years that all of the prep work and really bearing down and like really doing all the work was really about gaining confidence to sort of show up on set and be like, I know what I'm going to do.
0: Yeah, no doubt.
1: But then... With experience, you get to show up on stuff and say, I know what I'm going to do, but fuck
0: that. I'm going to see what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you hey, uh, to happen. Rosemary, you're kind of coming a little in and out. Um, just to give you a heads up. Um, well, just the podcast itself sounds really, really cool. I've, You know, that's kind of a hot thing right now. There's several people who are really exploding the podcast scene by talking to other fellow successful people and things that they're doing and kind of giving insider tricks, or trades, or what's successful Uh for them, and so I can definitely see why your podcast is successful, and people need to be listening to it, and so I think that's awesome, girl.
1: Yeah, it's fun. It's a good outlet for me. I really enjoy talking, because also when I'm on set, we don't have a lot of time to talk, so I really don't even have time to say to Kristen, like, how do you prepare? Like we don't have time for
0: those conversations. Do you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Well, just to move on uh, just a little bit, tell us, give us an example as a director, one of your best moments you've had, or, you know, just a, a, something that's happened on set that is just really memorable that your your average person or somebody wouldn't know about. Oh
1: boy. Well, I mean, I think the, you know, there's so many. It's hard to. Well, to look, say, The bottom line is,
0: don't don't dare talk about how you get to hug and you know cuddle Norman Reedus or something like that. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I can't deal with the the blowback from such a situation.
1: That actually didn't come from my head, but now that you mention it. That is one of my favorite moments. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds? What
0: are the odds? No,
1: I mean the thing is there is an environment, right? There's an environment that comes with like collaborating and like you know, just being really excited because I feel very grateful to have my job. So there is an energy that comes with that when you up, And actors are very open to that. And so and I love actors. So definitely a lot of my favorite moments involve connecting with actors. And then, and then you know them feeling comfortable enough so that we can throw ideas out there together. I mean, that's a perfect example, like bringing up Norman. Okay, because I had this whole shot planned for my episode, and it was like it literally was 104 degrees on this one day. And you know, I listened to your podcast. I know you had some issues with the episode and stuff. However, I can tell you that it was 104 degrees. You have, like, Jeffrey Dean Morgan wearing a leather jacket. I mean, I can't begin to tell you the difficulty. And you've got people in all that makeup, you know, the the walkers. I mean, it is crazy hot. You have people passing out. It's so hot. You're drinking. I'm drinking, like, six bottles of water a day, and I never pee. right?
0: Well, now, We're you do realize crazy. we are, like, an exact same climate right down the street in Mississippi, <laughs> so I totally get you there, I, you know, I totally, totally so you get you you get there.
1: it, right? So, absolutely. absolutely. crazy. So, so we had, I had this one shot planned, and I wanted it to be, like, this really, just really tight, tight shot on Carl when he's laying on the ground, just it, and then pulling out really slowly. It's the shot that ends the teaser, where it kind of comes out, 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 and then you see on um, Negan's, like, the whole world. You see the walkers that comes through, you know, that big, long shot. I wanted it to be even longer and creepier, starting with the clues up on call. But yeah. we were running out of time. All of that gun stuff, all that stuff just, like, took too much time. It was really difficult. So I couldn't get the shot, that, exactly the shot that I planned. I got, like, half the shot I planned. So I needed Norman, because I needed to get into that shot, because I knew I was going to cut from a close-up and then pull out into, like, half of one of there. I needed Norman to, like, come up with something. I'm like, dude, cause I'm telling you I'm under pressure, right? Mm-hmm. So much time pressure. So I run over, and I'm like, Norman, I need you to go over and pretend doing it was just some action like that. And I just throw some stupid shit at him. And he does it and that's exactly the cut that I need like I needed that action to get into the shot and I didn't have that plan because I in my mind I was gonna get the shot from the close- up of Pearl. I don't know if any of that made sense to you but do it but having Norman be receptive just like throwing something at him and then him just not even questioning just like okay, I'm just go out and like just going do it. that's like amazing and then I see the episode and I'm like, well that shot really worked. It really works. So it didn't have to be exactly what I had in my head, even though that would have been there, but it still really works, and it's ominous and frightening, and you're like, oh, good. Does that make sense? You yes, absolutely.
0: Sense? I mean, like, I was I was in touch the entire time. I'm, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. But I'm going to bring up something good. I didn't plan on talking about, but I'm happy you did. You know, you said you listened to our podcast and you said, you
2: mentioned yeah. that we had some issues with some of those things. I mean, we feel like we're probably one of the more critical podcasts looking yeah. at these scenes and stuff. And we see you're very active on social media. So how do you deal with all this criticism? Yeah, I mean... I, I mean, we're not really like criticizing you. I mean, we feel like it's constructive and stuff, but I mean, I know there is a lot of yeah, criticism Yeah, no, out I mean, there. I, you know, I
1: can only deal with it because I, you know, have certain issues with things too. And, I, you know, sometimes there's things that I that are I can't change. They're not up to me. Mm-hmm. So I don't take stuff personally because
0: Well, we also it know right that is. like say there's a detail that we don't like uh-huh. or we don't feel like a shot uh-huh. was done to its potential or something like that. We uh-huh. also know that it's yes, the director is the you know, is the top of the heat, but we also know that there's a hundred people that are also associated with that situation that all make a difference in how that shot Finishes out. Yeah. And so we know it's not like, oh, okay, absolutely. I, this episode suck because of Rosemary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's never a situation no, no, like that.
1: Even if somebody says that, that's, that's just your opinion. That's totally fine. Look, I didn't get to be here by not having like really thick skin. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just the way it goes. But at the end of the day, I'm the one that has to sleep with myself. And so I have to like put my head on the pillow and be happy with my work. And I can tell you that I'm always happy with my work. I get frustrated when I cannot accomplish certain things that I want or change certain things that I know would be better another way. Or, But, you know, I will bear down on that that night, and then the next day there'll be something else to take its place for me to obsess about. So I don't even yeah. sweat it anymore because production is very hard. You, you, we're doing so... We aren't really making a movie in, like, eight days. You know what I mean? It's like... That episode in particular—I mean, that came out to be—you know—that was a ninety-minute episode done on a regular schedule. So, you know, I—I I, so I know I know all the things that went into it that somebody just watching it doesn't know. Absolutely, you know what I mean. So, the jealousy so effect is <laughs> pretty severe right now. I can still, yeah, I can still feel very proud of what I've done, knowing the obstacles that were in front of me that nobody will know, nor did they have to know, except when you're on a podcast and then you get to tell people.
0: Right. Well, well, I will tell you, we, we appreciate that you're telling us that because, you know, sometimes I wonder if we're too detail oriented or so on. But we do have so many fans who come and tell us that, you know, we appreciate that you talk about things in detail like that. But we've also had actors on our show that have told us that, you know, you know, you need to you know kind of lighten up a little bit, you know, or this or that or so on. And so I've always been curious, you know, since you say you listen that, you know, what you come from that. And so I appreciate you being honest with us.
1: You know, sometimes like a particular um in particular I kind of enjoy sometimes when people will notice things that I don't think you know, they necessarily would notice. So I think that's a good thing. You know, I get a little bit certain, like the first time like I did a good life episode and was like tweeting what was going on and I was like I was actually hearing, like, that like people on Twitter and I wanted them to watch the episode. I was like, this is really sucks. Like, I want them to pay attention and not be on their super <laughs> phone. Yeah, I mean, that was, yeah. like, really upsetting. But then I was like, but then what happened was somebody took a picture from the, from the TV and said, hey, I think this is in there. And I was like, wow, they actually noticed something. And they wouldn't have noticed. You know what I mean? So I like no, the other the people, people are, are paying
2: whatnot. attention. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but speaking of that episode, uh, "Sing Me a Song" and everything, I r- remember uh, reading an article on Yahoo saying that they really wanted to tone down the violence after the first episode. So did that kind of trickle uh, down to you during your episode, or were you able to ramp yes. it back up? No, it got it got. It depends. Some of the
1: violence was okay. I mean, you know, like. But some of it was, you know, like Carl, like how how big of a deal that would be, how many guys he would kill, how bloody it was. That was definitely they don't want it to be too crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm
0: gonna be honest with you, Rosemary. That was one of the scenes that really he was looking forward to. Thumbed me out that y'all weren't able to do as well as the source material when it came to him coming out of that truck and shooting and doing all that kind of stuff.
2: But it's nice to know that goes back to kind of like the higher-ups and, you know, not anything that you could have really controlled.
1: Correct. Although, you know, there's a reality to um, being a more complicated character because he's older and not just a kid who comes out, like,
0: blindly shooting. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. You sound like somebody else who was talking to me. (laughs) No, no,
1: I'm not justifying it. I'm letting you know because it is different. That was part of many, um, you know, a lot of my thinking about it, too, was like, you know, Carl's there for one reason. He's not there to have a mask If you're a little kid and you're really scared and you just start firing off, that's a different scenario.
2: I can't tell you how much confetti is raining down on this side (laughs) of the studio right now. The the pool of pity (laughs) I'm in right now
0: is pretty, pretty deep, so... um. Uh, I, I I will concede to a detail that did, I could not consider, except I just lived in my high level of expectations, and you have brought me back to reality, Rosemary. Uh-huh. Uh, again. Well,
1: I remember reading somewhere, somebody read somewhere, I don't know what it was, had written about, well, it should have followed the comics. Not just that sequence, but the other, you know, the rest of it. Was, I cannot tell you how many. I mean, I got to pick the shots and the stuff from.
0: You Can you say, say that, that again? It. All right, you gotta you gotta you gotta start over with that part. When you, you 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 tailed off right there when somebody said follow the comics.
1: Okay, so I'll just start over. So I read in one review of that episode, I read where the writer was saying it wasn't at all like the comics meaning the entire oh. sequence, like all the co- the Negan and Carl stuff. And I know for a fact, based on some of the dialogue, based on what was going on, I could go frame for frame and show you how exactly, there are certain parts well, where I exactly mimic.
0: That writer's an idiot because I, you were almost verbatim.
1: I mean, really. Down to like, I'm on set and I'm like, I want you see this vase this or whatever the hell this thing is on the table between them? I want that exact shape. Like, I want that on the thing between them. Like, I was very specific because I was aware of the expectations and the iconic nature mm-hmm. of that particular comic. You know what I mean? And even Scott Gimple said to me, I've been waiting for years for this episode. And I was like, holy shit.
3: So, I'm
0: screwed.
1: I mean, That's you really thought. understand.
0: This is, this is like one like, the Carl has like three or four major moments throughout the comic book. And this is one of his uh-huh. most iconic, you know, and uh, so yeah, I could see where Scott could say something like that.
1: I mean, I think I think uh, I think Chandler did a great job. I think you know I'm a huge fan of Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I think he makes Negan very complicated. It's like you want to hate him and you do hate him, but then he's got this charm and it's complicated and it's definitely not. Just a straight up villain the way it could be, just an evil villain that
2: we've seen before. I mean I'm so, ready to follow. And him. I know
1: <laughs> people feel differently about him too. But again, that's that's just opinion. Yeah.
0: Well, I think his casting was spot on. There was only about two right. or three people I felt like that would be able to accomplish the role of Negan. And uh, he was one of the top on my mm-hmm. list and I see that one of my lists was really good because he is dominating the role in my mind. Yes. And uh, did you read the comics? Who else
1: were you thinking of? Who
0: else did you think? Um, believe it or not, the I can't remember his name now. Well, it was originally written for Henry Rollins, wasn't it? Yeah, he was mentioned, but uh, not him. I, I, I'm going to figure it Before the pod's over, I will have that's his because, name for you.
1: Because in the comic, he looks like. he. I could see
0: Henry Rollins playing. But, uh, but the, I mean, Jeffrey Dean is. The, is the guy I was thinking of. Man, he has been in a lot of stuff as good supporting actor. Uh, you know, he was just—I I, got to put his name up. He—he—he he, uh, he played one of the Russell Crowe's characters in the latest Robin Hood movie, and uh, really big, heavy stature fella. I just name's not coming to me right now. Oh, um,
1: uh, I was just curious, but you know, I'm on the show because of Jeffrey Dean Morgan.
0: Really? How did that? Oh, happen? you got—you got to speak was, up and yeah. tell us about this now.
1: Okay, so I worked. Jeffrey Dean
0: was in the last of Good Wife. Um, oh. He was
2: in a few episodes. He was great season. That's him. right. He yeah, was he wasn't. I got you. I forgot about that connection because I was a little worried that he wasn't going to finish out the Good Wife because I saw that he got the Negan role and I was like, oh no, because <laughs> it's a guilty pleasure of mine.
1: Yeah, no, he was amazing. So I was here one day, and we had emailed each other and stuff, but I didn't have his phone number. In my phone, right? hmm And so, I was here in my house, and I get this text. And the text is like, hey, are you interested in doing The Walking Dead? And
2: my <laughs> husband
1: was in the kitchen. I was like, I was like, Nestor, somebody's asking me if I want to do The Walking Dead. But I don't know who it is. <laughs>
3: so,
1: he goes, just tell them, fuck yeah. Well, <laughs> excuse me, I'm sorry, who are you? <laughs> so I did that I did exactly that I was like fuck yeah and I'm, I'm like I'm
3: sorry who is this <laughs> Wow. and
1: then he goes Jeffrey Dean I'm like oh shit dude and I got on the phone and I just what are you talking about He like I'm going to meet with Scott I don't put your name out there because you know I want you to come and it. I'm like oh my god That's and awesome. you know two days later I was on the phone with Scott and you
0: know that was that wow I mean wow That just uh I yeah, know. it goes back to that whole thing we're talking about. You know, connections and people you know, and everything else. And I think that's yep. that's a, that's a blessing right there. Girl. And collaborating with people,
2: collaborating. Yes, letting them put their input and in everything, and wanting to work with you.
0: Yes. Yep. That that is that is so awesome. All right, well, t- well, since we're on the Walking Dead, you know, what is it like to work with people you are just? huge fans of are they I mean give us a little insight to the personality of these people I mean we're you know we're several seasons in and there is the perception out there that you know you start out and everybody's super nice it's a family we've heard all these things before you know but on a personal level when you got to work with them you know what are some attributes some people might not really realize or, or something you could confirm for us about you know that are super fans yeah I mean it's going to be
1: disappointing when I tell you how amazing these people... Are. I mean, really, there's... It just is, because it's going to sound like bullshit, and it's not. It's like they are the most welcoming, the most humble. I mean, th- this is the deal with, like, Walking Dead. Is like the producers, the actors, I'm talking about the crew. Everybody knows they're doing something really special. Mm-hmm. And they, they know how many people love what they do, and they sort of feed off of that. Like, Norman is the most... you probably met him Whatever, He is the most grounded, down-to-earth guy. Andrew Lincoln... I mean, these people, you understand. Carol... Carol, my she's not even in my episode, right? Yeah. And yet she came by twice. I had lunch with her one day. Like, these people come by. Norman comes by. Norman wasn't working on my last day. And he came by just to say goodbye.
2: Wow. That's amazing. Like, yeah, so who that... comes
1: to work when they don't have
2: to? Nobody. Yeah. Yeah, nobody. <laughs> I Me know, included. I don't.
1: <laughs> Andrew Lincoln did that two times. Came by.
2: Unreal. Yeah, I mean, that's a little disappointing re- realizing how humble these people are. I know it, man. I know it. Oh, no, I'm God. serious. They're really awesome people. And, and,
1: and I I just love them so much. It's crazy I just you know you're right because you're in shows and you know I mean yeah I've done shows where people have been on it's been on for years and there's sometimes actors don't even talk to each other and they have to be in scenes together and they don't like each other anymore or they were best friends first couple seasons and then they hate each other
2: I mean I heard that so happened on my not
1: the case here.
2: heard that happened on my guilty pleasure of good wife and uh, that's why Kalinda got written off not, not trying to draw up any drama or anything no, there, but there was drama. There was drama. It was
1: all unnecessary drama, but yes, yeah, there
2: was drama there. But you know, yeah. It, it, I was just trying. They to... are awesome people
1: as well, but it's just diff- it was definitely a different environment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, Walking Dead. I mean, they are super. It's just a family. It's I don't know. It's
0: like almost like art imitating life. Wow. So, do you have any? Um... I know we did episode number, you know, number seven last uh, um, season A, I guess. Do we have any chance of having any season B or maybe season eight moving up?
1: Season eight, we're trying to work out. Um, no, the second half, no. But can, are you excited for Sunday? I'm so freaking excited. I can't believe I <laughs> got to wait so long. And then finally it's here. Um, but no, not this part. Because, you know, I have to go up and do other jobs. And so, right no... We're trying to figure out. They said they won't have me back. Thank you, Jesus. So that's good. (laughs) But we haven't worked out dates yet. Okay. You know, again, I'm very fortunate, and I have a lot of things coming up. So I understand. I'm trying to work them all out. So when you got your script
0: for this episode, you know, episode seven, were Uh, you were you privy to any of the information for the following episode or the upcoming half season that we're about to see?
1: No, no, because I don't want to be. Here's the deal. Like, when I got this, when I, I didn't even want to read, like, when I do, when I get a job, I have to watch all of the cuts up to mine, and then if there are whatever cuts aren't available, I read the scripts, right? Mm-hmm. Or I would read all the scripts and then watch whatever cuts I can of those scripts. So, Walking Dead was like, I don't want to know. Like, I'm a fan <laughs> again, right? I'm I just fan. want to watch I'm it. Seen every just... episode. Totally respect that. I just that. want to watch it. I don't want to do my homework. I don't want to have to know who died. I don't want to have that information and not be able to tell anybody. And uh, so yeah. I literally waited till I was on the plane before I, like, started reading it. Because I put it off as long as I could
3: because I didn't wow. want to know. So, a...
1: so that means we're coming after mother, I don't want to know either. I just want to go back
0: to being a fan. It's much more fun to be a fan I mean, We not love know. It. Amen, amen, sister. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. No doubt. But
2: well, let's uh, let's switch gears. Let's. Uh, well, I just have like a weird off the wall question. Oh, okay, dazzles here. All righty. If when you do get the next episode, can we get Norman a rope, just to pay homage to all the Boondock Saints fans? <laughs> you know, I, you Wait, just can need you a rope. Him to what? Just give him a rope. You know, because you just need it. I know. Yeah, I you, mean, if you've never like... seen Boondock
0: Saints, you have to. You, you would understand if you watched the movie.
1: I did, but that's a long
0: time ago. Oh come on, now I can sit here and reference Third oh. Watch. Don't sit here and give me that <laughs> know, you can't remember. I I don't boodocks.
1: remember it that well. I don't remember it that well. <sighs> I just remember, I remember like the director having a hard time, and like the whole thing with
3: wine to Harvey
0: Weinstein. That's what I remember more. Ah, uh, okay. Like him sort of blowing uh, we we the we forgive you. We forgive you. so Don't worry. Tell me what happens. Tell me. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to watch it. That's your homework assignment, director. Okay? So don't, don't. don't. Oh, dude. Yeah, so. I got to watch
2: it. It's the best What's homework it? in the I, world. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I worked for a captain in New York
1: called Susan Um yeah. I remember Norman would
0: come in and read for us. So that's like a long time ago. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, let's I switch know, gears to- That fame. Yeah. yeah. Let's we'll switch gears to Outsiders. So, give us the difference of dynamic between these sets and actors and so on to Walking Dead and so on. I mean, what could you say is different? Because we've met and spoke to so many actors on Outsiders. We're talking about some of the coolest people we have right. ever met and spoken to in our entire lives. and.
1: Okay, go. Cool. What
0: did you love? Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you, one of the people on top of my list is Crake, and which is old Mark. And I mean, absolutely love Crake. I, mean, I mean, the mean, the guy is a walking encyclopedia of acting knowledge and quick whips, and you know, just that's unbelievable. Mark Jeffrey Miller? Yes, yes, Mark Jeffrey Miller,
2: absolutely like, love him. He
1: is, he is a sweetheart. I love him.
2: He is, and we've actually just gave him the nickname Mr. IMDb because it seems like <laughs> everything that's listed on there is in his credentials. Yeah, the, the guy is out of this world. He's,
1: I love him. He's such a great person, such a great actor. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I was a big fan from Sons of Anarchy. As a big fan of Ryan
3: Hurst, so I was like, we we, we are anymore. too. Believe it or
0: not, that's what got us in the show. Like we 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 used to pod Sons of Anarchy a little bit, and really was just a diehard. Um, fan of it, and then so we heard Ryan Hurst was making the move, to, you know, starting a new job for Outsiders. We decided to give it a shot, yeah. based solely on on that, that mm. because there was not much else to it that we never heard of WGN. We had never heard right. of you know, some of the what you know the set pieces.
2: I mean, we found the show out like three days before it aired.
0: Right. I mean, we really like yeah, a couple yeah. of our podcasting fans told us, "Hey, you guys probably have to give this a shot." Opie's moved on to a new show. And we're like, okay. So we watched it and immediately fell in love. I mean, they started everything out right by doing no commercials. commercials, The directing and the cinematography was out of this world. They did a really cool job of setting up the dynamic of the mountain versus the town and introducing characters in a very unique way. And it was just really, really well put out there from the get-go. And we just fell in love. And so, um, like you said, we've, we've spoke to probably anywhere between 10 to 15 of most of your supporting cast. You know, we haven't got to some of the higher ups like Ryan and, and a few of the others, but, uh, we're working our way towards them and everybody well, talks. David Morris
3: is
1: great
0: too. He's oh awesome. yeah. I mean, we've been a fan of him since way back when, you know, I can think to the rock and green mile <laughs> and everything else, but, um, like Crossing Guard, Oh yeah. River I mean, Island. he's, 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 the guy can do anything. That's what's amazing, you know, and, so, tell us about what it's like to work on Outsiders. What's it like with those actors and stuff? Give us some tidbits.
1: Well, that's a different scenario. That is, uh, that was also outside in the summer. (laughs) Not the humidity, though, not quite as, Pennsylvania's not that bad. Nothing is like Georgia, no. Um, but it is, you know, a lot of bugs up on the mountain, a lot of bugs, a lot of spiders crawling all over me all the time, other people too, so it was, it was a, you know, yeah, pretty rugged type show to do. Um, and the actors are great. It was different first season because it was an actor and you know, created a lot of chaos. So it wasn't like it was uh, fun and games for everybody. Everyone was... It was challenging. You know what I mean? It was challenging. But it's a good group of people. um, That actor is not on the show anymore, and he's gone, and so it's got a lot easier. You know what I mean?
0: Wow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. Time out. Mm -hmm. Any chance we're going to divulge the name of this (laughs) such actor?
1: Well, I don't think he's on the show anymore.
0: So, I mean... Well, there's only two people who are no longer on the show, so it's kind of tip for tat. We talking about major? Are we talking about a Four major, are about a major character? Or are we talking about a supporting character? Who are the two
1: people not on
3: the
0: show? Asa uh, and- Asa and um, Ed Heavy's not on there either.
3: Oh, Eddie is a sweetheart. Okay. you answer well, yeah. our question. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like we've
2: talked to Ed and everything and we absolutely love Ed. Yeah, so, so, like uh, if okay. it was him I would have been a little bit devastated Ed's yeah, how really, much we mean, to Yeah, a
0: sweetheart. Really, oh, yeah, oh no, God.
2: Ed, believe it or
0: not, uh, Ed was the first it. person we no, got to so many interview. Nice
1: people there it was just there was just, you know, just well, sometimes first year shows, you know, people getting in gear and you know, a new show is like it's like an animal it doesn't know how to walk yet. And nobody really knows, either, because it's not been done before. Like, there isn't a template. There's not like a, you know, you get a recipe for how to make some kind of soup, and, you know, you just follow that, and you got success. Yeah. That isn't the case. Every TV show, every movie, it's never been done before. And so it's a different group of people, and, it, and it's, it's very challenging, you know? unreal so there were challenges there were there's logistical challenges and there's challenges of you know getting scripts um you know again and even every script every script even when the episode has been on for a long time like or the series you know like sing me a song it's like no one's done that script before Mm -hmm, no even though it's the same people in the same crew you actually haven't done that stunt ever before. you haven't done that story ever before, so it's that's what's exciting about the job so first year of about Saturday, I would say they you know they they there were some challenges that people were just trying to figure things out you know who they were what their characters were, you know how to get all this amount of work done in this amount of time, all that stuff so there were there were definitely challenges there, but overall I I mean, I love the episodes. i want to say that Peter Tolan, who's one of the uh, executive producers, who was uh, Dennis Larry's partner on Rescue Me, um, great show. And I did a show I did a show called Rake that he did. Called what? Which I love my episode of Rake. It was great in here. I know you guys didn't watch that show.
2: I watched like one case, or two episodes but I couldn't get into it fully.
1: Yeah, no. I got a really good episode though. My episode is was really good, but overall, the show didn't really work. But Peter Tolan is one of my favorite people of all time in television. Like my favorite writer, probably my very favorite writer. Um, well, I can see why. So
2: I, mean, I, I mean, I me. love
1: doing. Um, I mean, Rescue
2: Me is still one of the best shows ever on TV. Re- I mean, ever. Like, no I one, always put it on whenever I was in a bad mood. I was like, man, I'm having a bad day. But let's see how. Oh, okay. No, my day's not doing nearly as bad anymore. <laughs> it's like when you see that photo of the guy landing from a skydiving thing into a pit of crocodiles. Yeah, That was his life. Oh. Yeah.
0: That's, oh that's good stuff. So all right well we've talked about Andrew Lincoln over East, but let's talk about some of the bigger actors uh you know you um on outsiders like you said Ryan Hurst give us an example of you know, Ryan there i mean other than he's a, a massive, behemoth yeah. you know because like he didn't seem he's like awesome. he
3: was
0: <laughs> Yeah he seems like a genuine guy everybody we've ever talked to has met him and has talked about he's just genuine you get that same Yeah he's really
1: smart he wants to like um you know, really make sure he's doing the best work possible, so he's thinking, he's, you know, wants to make sure the words are right and everything's right, and, yeah, he's awesome, one of my favorite pictures is me sitting on his lap, I'm like, oh my god, I'm on (laughs) fucking Opie's lap, this is crazy.
0: Another example of you making a million women jealous, so shame (laughs) on you.
1: Oh my god, I make sure to make that happen, trust me, I'm (laughs) not missing an opportunity.
0: Trust me, I'm in the same boat. I wouldn't mind sitting in Opie's lap either, but I don't. It's kind of weird, but you know, <laughs> so uh, it's kind of weird because it's just one of those things. But you know, um, we just really, really enjoy you know the casting call for whoever I, we don't don't know who it was who came up with the idea, but the the casting on Outsiders is so unique, and uh-huh. but it works so so well. And I just, uh-huh. I can only imagine what the kind of dynamic you had fun with when you're working with those actors with such storyline.
1: Oh, this is great. No, seriously, they're great. They're great. Casting director's great, too. I really, her name is escaping me at the moment, but she, but I loved working with her. She was really fantastic. And a lot of local actors.
2: Yes, yes. So that's something else we figured out. Most... No, I mean... A lot of them weren't actors. They were just regular people who ended up getting casted in the show. And, I mean, those are a lot of the people that we've talked to, too. And, I mean, they're just some of the best people on this planet, really. Yeah, I mean...
1: Oh, yeah. I remember giving, like, working with one guy, and it was his first TV role ever. And he was great. I mean, really. People, yeah. It's it's cool because you feel like you're really creating like a world that's different on that show.
2: You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Well, speaking of like a different world kind of, was it a big difference filming in the town and up on the mountain? Like did you almost feel like you weren't in the same place?
1: Well, yeah, you're not. You're like 20 <laughs> miles away or something.
0: Yeah, oh. but Was
2: there a difference in actors and the
0: dynamic of the show and everything like that? I mean, because we've talked to like Tariq Lo and Keith mm-hmm. and some of your actors who work the city, and they talk about how you, you rarely get to meet the the Anybody from the mountain, and it's like it's like two separate shows.
1: Right. It is, but that's what's cool about it. You know, because once you're in the town, then I feel like where I grew up in New Hampshire, just like, you know, very working class, just regular people. You know what I mean? That's like where I come from. So, yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh has that feel anyway.
3: Mm-hmm. But then
1: the town where they shoot is just right over the bridge, and you're there, and you feel like you've gone back, like you know, 30 years, 40 years, wow. but that's just the way it is right now,
3: wow. so,
1: yeah, I mean, it's it's very real, it's very real, people's struggles, people trying to work, you know, not have money, and, you know, everything in that show is, I think, relevant and real to, to what's happening in life, in the world today, it country. does
2: do a lot of the, um, the show's done a great job of bringing in what social events going on in real life, and bringing them into the uh-huh. show.
0: Yeah, like, Uh later tonight, we're probably going to podcast about the the episode that came on last night, you know, the banishment, and I'd say there's at least three, if not four, major hot social topics that are addressed in the episode, and it's subtle. It's not like it's thrown in your face to just devour it, uh, but it's subtle enough that it speaks a good message. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: It's important stuff to, like, you know, it's great to be working on shows that, definitely, you know, I mean, you watch Walking Dead and you just can't help but put yourself in those situations. What would I do? You know, like many times I'm out in the world and I think what if, like, shit just blew up right now?
0: Oh, there's what no would doubt. I do? That's why we love the show. That's why I love the comic is that when Kirkman wrote that, I was like, wow, this is probably something that is how it would actually turn out. And it, right. everything is plausible and everything is to that point And I just that's why I fell in love. And then you just such a good job of creating these characters you just you can't live without. And so when you lose one, it's like you lost a member of your own family. And it's just catastrophic. Oh, my God.
1: It's devastating. Yeah. It's and so, so devastating. It's crazy.
0: Right. You know, and so, like, a good example it's different than Outsiders is, is that, you know, there is this huge theory or, you know, there's problems blah, 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 with the Asa character, you know, People are like, well, no, he's not dead. He is dead, you know, like that and stuff. And I can honestly say that we criticized the scene where he, the wolves attacked him. Uh, you know, and people still don't know. Him, well, why?
3: But... Tell me why.
0: Okay. Well, the the scene where the he he takes a knee, puts his hands up, and the wolves attack him, right? Well, in the very first cut of that, you see the wolves attack his throat. And you see Aces spit up a large amount of blood, and there's blood all oh, over his neck. Oh, like it's going everywhere. It's, it's very Walking Dead-esque, okay? Wow. And then you see a, a cut scene comes back from the other side of the railroad tracks where you see they're attacking at his body. Well, then the very next scene, you see a shot of his face all the way down to his neck, and he has no wounds and a lot less, you know, almost no blood and there's nothing on the ground. I mean, we paused it, went back and forth, and so it was out of order when it came to to, to us, and so it gave you a false sense of what really just happened. And then voila, and then the scene cuts yeah. away with a dragging. Like you don't really
2: get any of the body, like you see the wolves kind of pulling pieces apart. But I mean, it could. Oh, be that's kind of weird. Right, yeah. and so if you go
0: back and watch it, we really were like, okay, the first scene was like. He just took the jugular out. <laughs> you know, He's Joe, dead. Joe Anderson, Asa, goodbye.
3: And then all the jugular is okay.
0: Yeah. yeah and, then and like, So the next episode, the next very, I mean, the very two scene. cut scenes, you know, you see it cuts away and then comes back, necks intact, zero, almost zero blood, does mouth not, ri- I mean, the whole nine yards, completely different. And then you see him dragging the entire body, not like they're tearing him apart, they're dragging the body. You know, right, right. And so when the next episode comes out and they find, yeah, I mean, which they don't show anything, all you see is him bringing an arm up to, you know, um, Gwen, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, he can live, he can survive. You know, they took an arm off. There's a railroad theory that, the, you know, train took it off or he's still going. He's at the hospital. The hobo took yeah. him there. I mean, there's just 4,000 theories. I'm like, people, he's, he's dead. dead. <laughs> I mean, y'all need to wake up. Right, right, right. And, uh, right, just, right, right, right. So we, I mean, like I was really tough on that scene because, but I thought it was an editing error. You know what I mean? I'm sure there was more to it. Well,
1: shit, so what happens too? I mean, I don't know, guys know this or not, but anyway, what happens is, you know, one of the things about television is that, I mean, it happens in movies too, but you know, like directors don't have final cut.
2: Okay. So we just don't. I did not know so, that.
0: So you see, yeah, so no. you don't have any say. Per se. Well, the final say.
1: We deliver our cut, but then we deliver our cut to the showrunner, and then they can do whatever they do. So, sometimes I watch the episode, and I'm just like,
2: That's not what I found. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) what to yes? I mean, yeah, I understand. (laughs)
1: Huh.
0: I guess that's why we have director's cuts. Yeah.
1: That's why, well, going back to the other part of the conversation, that's why sometimes, like, I can't take stuff personal, because sometimes people say things like, well, you know, I might agree with them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. Because that's not how I had it. Totally. Well,
0: what are you going to do? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. What about yeah. have you ever had a situation in which I'm gonna gripe about this and this up you know this episode we're potting tonight uh, on outsiders is, is what have you ever had a situation where you're given a script and you kind of already know the information they're saying is just not plausible or inaccurate but
2: you have to follow yes. through with it Yes does that make it a little bit harder to film or you just kind of grit your teeth and get through it?
1: Well, luckily it doesn't happen too often, but yeah, I mean, then I'm like, during prep, I try to bring it up and sometimes they don't wanna hear it, and then I'll try to find another way to bring it up or different words to use, or, you know, like, or sometimes I'll just try to shoot something, I'll shoot it the way it is, and then I'll try to shoot an alternate, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, at least I can do something different in my cut, but then it may go back to what they wanted or whatever, so, yeah, that happens sometimes, Luckily, not that often, but it definitely happens where you're like, you know, you know, sometimes it could just be a logical thing, just a logic thing or just something that falls through the cracks or just something where you're like, I think this might work better, but ultimately, you know, again, I just have to do the best I can and then let go, you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, we asked a question walking down. I'm going to ask a question outside. Any, any lineups for you to be working on the Outsiders in the near future?
1: Outsiders, probably not. Oh,
0: um, why are you breaking my heart I'm like that? Sorry. Hold on, Cass. Give me some time. Well, I did <laughs> two <laughs> episodes,
1: and I do love Peter Tolan, but um, yeah, there's just he's you know yeah. I'm gonna tell you, they just didn't ask me back of that. Not Peter Tolan. He's fucking dull.
3: But yeah.
1: you know what? I did. Uh, I don't know if you remember my episode. This is this was what I was told. Look, everyone, every place isn't friendly to everybody. Let's put it that way. Okay. I busted my ass. Oh, no, you gotta show. be, you, you, you gotta be,
0: you gotta be, look, we don't spare expense here, so don't spare expense for us now. <laughs>
1: All right, so I'm gonna tell you. So, this will happen. So, what my agent told me was, oh, you know, they think that you didn't give them enough coverage for the wedding scene.
2: What? What?
1: It's bullshit.
2: Yeah. It's total bullshit. That's what you, like that's a what you call a cop-out. or
1: whatever. Exactly, that was a cop out, and I was like, "What? Of course, I gave him enough coverage." Yeah, that okay, was one fine. of our favorite scenes. No, I'm not going back. Yeah, dude. Whatever. I know what I did, so I'm like, "All right, that's fine." So that's when I—that's when you're just like, "All right." Sometimes you're on a show, and you know. You don't go back. It's just politics. And I don't sweat it. But again, it has nothing to do with my friend Peter who who is like... No, well, you know, the bottom line him. is
0: it could be one person who has a difference in personality. It could be something as simple as that, you know? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, totally. And I know it's not the actors, and it doesn't matter. It's just that um, it happens sometimes. That's the reality of life, and it's okay. It's like I have so much other things to do. And I, and I did two episodes, which, in truth, like I... You know, I love Pittsburgh. I mean, I loved Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I thought it was such a cool place. But I did it. I spent, you know, like a month and a half there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm good.
0: You know, I'm the bottom totally line is good. you got an amazing experience. You produced an amazing product and we have to yeah. love you for it. Yeah. So I mean
3: Thank
0: you. I mean that's that's the bottom line. Thank you. Well Rosemary you. to kinda of, just kinda of wrap things up a little bit, you know, are there tell us about Anything future projects you got going on? I know you. You know we've done some Sneaky Pete stuff and some other things going on. Is there anything you're excited that you want to kind of tell your fans or our fans about some work you got ahead of you?
1: Well, Sneaky Pete, of course, is going to come back for season two, and so I will be joining them, God yes. willing, at some point. Again, my schedule's trying to like work itself out, um, but that's that's. I mean, i that's a fantastic group of actors, too, really. I'm not bullshitting. And Graham Yost, I mean, dude, talk <laughs> about, like, an amazing showrunner. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, talented, collaborative, amazing guy. Love. Wow. Um, and Jessica Jones. I'll do a Jessica Jones in July. Oh,
2: there you go. So excited. Jessica Jones know, was my favorite. I know, very excited
1: to go back there. Um you know there's potential you know there's a lot of things up in the air right now I'm, um there's a we're trying to work out fear the walking dead which you know I am a fan of that show as well uh,
0: um i need you to so, come to fear the walking dead and get it back on point that show's tough. Oh,
1: really? You don't like it? It's I'm totally sorry. Different. I'm gonna be honest Walking with you. You know, I'm like thing.
0: I consider myself one of the biggest Walking Dead fans there are, and I went. I thought season one of Fear the Walking Dead was good. It was good. I thought they did a great job of giving you background and bringing yep. it up to speed, but it yep. quickly turned into the Walking Dead West Coast with a non non dynamic or we a, didn't have a leader that no we felt like leadership we could follow. no. It, uh, I know. it switched back and forth I, of who your main character was three times during the season to the point
2: where my brother and Cash abandoned the show. We did abandon the show. Um, well, it, they didn't fix any of the faults that we yeah. had in Walking Dead. It was like you had the perfect experience.
1: Well, I like the bit with Chris. I like how Chris, what he turned into and in his storyline. Kid, you know, I kind of
0: like
2: that. He was I, good, I, but the angsty teen thing... He was the angsty teen
0: one? Was... Yeah. A touch much in you know in the beginning, you know they were beating you to death with it. It Is got to the season point one to where. One um. Well, it never really ended. You know, season one. You know, you had to start out with that way. You know, you got you got you to create the character. You got to set up his foundation. We got all that. You know, but by the end uh-huh. of the by the sixth episode, which was the final one of the first season, you know the uh-huh. whole you know watching you know his mother die and that kind of stuff. You know, we were like, okay, this is the turning point. It's just like when Carl, you know, had to have his turning point. Yeah, and right. So when they came to second season, uh, when
1: Carl's mother
0: died, that was epic. Oh gosh, I'm telling you, I still think that's a top two or three episode of The Walking Dead when you lose multiple uh-huh. main characters in such a setting and so violently and so completely, like not even a not even a mid season finale or a finale or anything. It was just a no, random it was episode. Amazing.
1: Was amazing.
3: By
0: far I the Chris best. From
1: that episode yeah. And I was showing, I was showing Chandler like just showing him back to get him back in that head of like loss and craziness. Right. Before he went to talk to Megan, like that episode was crazy. So I, I hear what you're saying about Chris. I, I do like his character, and I did. Which, by the way, here's something I could tell you that you don't know, which is his mom, Elizabeth Rodriguez, is my sister-in-law
0: whoa ah, there you go there you go now yeah. i will tell you i, I think he did a good job of acting off. i think he did a good job of acting there's no doubt about that i just hated that they continued yeah. his storyline of being angsty they wrote it all, too long. they just went too long with it and then the way they closed him out
2: yeah, like i couldn't root for him
0: by the I end was, of yeah it. it was tough to root for it was almost like i was applauding they shot him you know it
2: wasn't like you were you were well <laughs> no i don't
1: him at all. That's why I thought it was interesting because he turned into a jerk and then you were like, How's he gonna treat his father that way? And it was he was so lost, but then it was still shocking when he just, you know, had such a brutal end. I mean I thought it was interesting.
3: But now, I would say that ending. about Fear
1: the Walking Dead, I wish that they would have stayed longer as the apocalypse was, like, happening. Because I I'm thought that you. was really interesting. They flew. And I'm like, why did they keep that going longer? I don't know why. I'm going to find out, though.
0: They hmm. flew through the the setup. And which, I, you know, a lot of people were really upset that they didn't get more information of what the disease was, how it really, you know, how it got started. Right. Or that kind of stuff. Right. And there was no origins to it.
2: And I thought that was a big misfire. Because it was kind of a marketed as this was like the kind of the origin story and everything. And that's right. what we were looking for. Instead, right.
3: And that's what I wanted more of. Exactly.
0: That and totally that's one of the things we griped hard about going through it. We are like, okay, we're not going to spend six episodes griping about what we didn't get. Let's focus on what we did get. And we got a cool right. dynamic of, you know, school teacher counselor, you know, the divorce, yeah. stuff like that. But I also think that some of the shows, casting decisions and different things were put in place but not like a good example, you know. The, they brought in the, the interracial couple, you know, of the daughter and the, you know, the, the African American boyfriend, and they killed him off immediately. Uh, That's another, uh, you know, African American actors on The Walking Dead typically don't last long. No, I mean they only two episodes. You and, know, and then the Fear the Walking Dead's opening episode. We meet a boyfriend, and Dead. he's you know he's he's got an exp- expiration date immediately. I think you see it. Like, yeah, then you have that great character. I
1: can't
3: yeah,
0: I mean, me. I loved the him off the wire the and everything. And everything. And I was like, what are you doing? You know, and so the it, other guy. There was they kept re- like the Walking Dead thing kept repeating some of the same things that we griped about. I won't call them mistakes, but they were decisions that a lot of people struggled with, and they repeated them, and then then we repeated a lot of the same things, and you know.
1: I don't know. You know, I think it's I think it's like this. It's like, you know, Robert Altman is one of my favorite filmmakers. And when he sort of misfires or one of his movies that isn't quite as good as like you want it to be, Mm -hmm. it's still better than most stuff out there. So for me, I think it's I see Fear the Walking Dead like that. Like, yeah, it's not Walking Dead, but it's like it's different. And it's still better than a lot of stuff on TV.
0: No, get are wrong. I will give you that, you know, due to content, storyline, da, da 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 I will give you all that. I think the biggest deal is, is that when you create a companion show, which how many times has that been uh, done? A lot. Okay? Uh-huh. You, the expectation of the bar is quite a bit different
2: because than starting,
0: starting from scratch because you already right. have source material that you already have visual appeal. So what are you bringing to the table other than new characters? And so that's the part that we struggled with is that you you got Walking Dead West with a less dynamic cast minus a few characters. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. I mean, the, you're...
2: I mean, you really... I just were, haven't fell in love with anybody on the show. That's another
0: thing. is like you, you haven't created a character that is... I'll riot if they yeah. die,
2: you know, kind of character. I mean, I'll be honest. I said I wanted the entire uh, Fear of the Walking Dead cast to just be interchanged with our cast at the start of season one for the, or season seven for Walking Dead, and Negan just take the bat to all of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, they just, <sighs> you know, and, uh, and the guy who's working, you know, the showrunner over there, I can't remember his name, save my life. He was on Sons of Anarchy and stuff. Dave Erickson. Yeah, Erickson. He's,
1: he's a great guy. He
0: really, and see, I loved his work on Sons of Anarchy and everything. But I just Okay, think... so
1: he so I met him. I did a show that he created called Canterbury's Law.
0: I've heard of that. I have never watched that it.
1: That was on Fox, that was before the strike, and Juliana Margulies was the star of that show, and that's where I met her, and then when the Good Wife came, she's the one that brought me on the Good Wife.
0: Okay, wow, more connections. That's that's awesome. But
1: everything's connected. Yeah, but Dave yeah. Erickson is a great guy and a great storyteller so i'm sure there's stuff going on or whatever they have their reasons there's amc you know there's a lot of stuff people that get involved so you know you just have to wait and see where it's going to go and uh and i'll tell you what other upcoming stuff i have so what i have is um my movie silver skies i know you're like tv guys but you know i'm a movie person too i'm a filmmaker and so um my movie has uh, some release in the fall, and it's going to open up uh, again in Florida on March 10th. And it'll be on iTunes, Amazon, Netflix, all that stuff coming up in well, the congratulations, next Congratulations, girl. It's
0: beautiful. Can't wait yes. to watch it. We will totally be pimping yeah. you. Yeah.
1: It's, it's totally different. It's called Silver Skies. It's about an over-55 apartment complex that's being turned into condominiums. And so what are the residents going to do? You know what, you're talking about the outsiders, like relevant
3: mm-hmm. teams.
1: It's like, you know, it's like people getting pushed aside by, you know, corporations. And these, this happens to be a group of seniors, and they decide to fight back. So,
0: I could see that having a really interesting know. dynamic, yes.
2: And touching on, you know like, real is, problems right is, now.
1: It's, well, those real problems, and you know what? It's it's just, for me, it's like I like to tell stories. I'm going to tell my own stories. I want to tell stories um, about people that don't have a voice in society, and I want to give them a voice in my movies. So my first movie was called Acts of Worship, and it's about a heroin addict and, you know, and homeless people, and, and it's very um, documentary style, so it's not doesn't glamorize any of that life at all and it's not stereotypical and so but those people are human beings people are are homeless and I've been through my own stuff in my life where I shouldn't even be here and I'm here and I have a great life so I felt obligation to sort of you know tell that story and then you know the same like people you know senior citizens get treated like crap in the society so I wanted to give them a voice and tell a story about them. So that's really where my heart goes right now in the next couple
0: months. Well, Rosemary, mm-hmm. I have to tell With you, this. we're going to add you to the list of genuine people yes. in, our, in our mind. And uh, that is awesome. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that you bring a voice.
2: And thank you for being that voice for a lot yeah. of people that and don't have it. I think
0: that's uh, I think it's a testament to who you are. And it, all it does is confirm for us why we, not to say, I'm not going to say idolize you, but we just, we love you, girl. We yeah. think you do amazing things. We think you have even a bigger and brighter future ahead of you with the, what kind of work you produce, and I can't thank, thank you, you enough for giving
2: us so much to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this we has love your work, and,
0: and uh, I, I can only hope that we can do this again soon and rediscover more work that you've done, and and just continue the great things that you're doing.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you for paying so much attention to what you're watching. And it really, we really do, all of us, just know that even if something doesn't work, the the same amount of work goes into it. You know what I mean? People's blood, sweat, and tears goes into everything you watch. And I love that you have a level of commitment to, and hold people to, you know what I mean? Hold people to, like, doing it right you know what I mean and getting in there and noticing every detail and stopping it and analyzing it and conversing about it and that's all we want is to like provoke and tell stories and entertain and you know have people talk about our work so it's awesome that you are doing what you're doing and I'm so grateful that you gave me a chance to talk about the thing I love the most
2: well I mean thank you I mean you kind of just described our podcast name in a nutshell right there yeah really so uh, I'm gonna get some tissue now I told you I (laughs) listen
0: yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna get some tissue. No, I mean I'm that means getting a lot. misty here. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I'm all broke up here. You know, so. Well, Rosemary, I, I I hate to even say goodbye, but you know, I know you're a busy girl and you've got a lot of stuff going on. But again, we want to say thank you um, from the deepest part of our heart that we really appreciate you being with part of us tonight. Um, and this has been a, a great night. Thank you. We'll night. talk again
3: sometime.
0: Absolutely. And guys, please check her out. This is the director's chair, Rosemary Rodriguez. She's uh, What's Ray your Posca. Twitter name? Uh, yeah, You have a Twitter handle?
1: Oh, yeah. At Rosemary Directs.
0: There you go. On
1: Instagram and Twitter.
0: And right.
1: Silver Sky is the movie on Facebook.
0: There you All go. Right. And we'll and make so sure you follow. Check this out. Follow, like, send her messages. Let her know how badass she is. Let her know how genuine <laughs> she is. And, you know, put some comments on our page about her. You know, we're going to just kind of pimp this as much as we can and really look forward to the next time. And, guys, I can't say again thank you for your night. This is Bleed TV, and I'm Zach. And I'm Cash. And we'll see you all next week.